Hello, welcome to again the another episode of the Hypnotist Podcast, and we have with us uh, my father Elsa Meldridge and Mike Hathaway. Go ahead, Dad. Michael Hathaway, what an incredible, interesting person. I, um, I, up in the mountains, right down the river. We're in the foothills of the White Mountains. Yes, up in the woods. And I think if I remember correctly, you have some kind of a hypnotism business. Uh, White Mountain Hypnosis Center, yes. How did that begin? Well, it began many years ago when as a musician and teaching school, I got hired by a stage agent to play Ebtide behind his act. And the closest I ever got to being hypnotized by somebody else, believe it or not, was sitting there talking to him before the show started. Sudden, in this dimly lit room, he started to go on a swirl, and I stopped in my head and said, I gotta figure this out. And so, we had a psychologist to school, and his name was Don Silly, which I talk about a lot because Don lived in the same town. His son was in my daughter's class in school. Well, Don Silly, for many years, was the announcer for the Boston Red Sox, his son, wow. and he practiced up there in New Hampshire. So, in the meantime, that's my claim to fame, or used to be was. Well, the father of this Boston Red Sox announcer stopped now, of course, he's moved on, so can't use that excuse anymore. But that's how I got started. Then um, I started practicing. And I started practicing self-hypnosis. I borrowed this uh, the book from him. And so I would count myself down to school. And I had a kid in school years ago describe me as different shades of anger. Morally mad, very mad, but never had. And once I was aware of that, I said, wait, do I like that or not? Well, I didn't like it, so I set my intentions that the words that came out of my mouth would be the right words rather than negative. So I practiced day after day after day, and I changed much more than I realized I was changing, but the next generation of kids saw me completely differently from the old man. Now, the passion is still there. It's just not in the same way. It's been channeled. Interesting. And how does that affect the overall Oh, it changed the whole dynamics. Of, well, it changed my life. I mean, to be honest, that's is my approach in hypnosis. And the sense of looking at positivity, looking at things that I can be grateful for. I had gotten run over in uh, 1989 going to summer school. And so laying in the middle of the street, wondering whether I was going to live or not, I just kind of went into that trance, knowing it was an easy free accident. Mm. Just letting it unfold. And so even in the process of the healing, you know, I was told at one time that my knee was going to go, and I had to lose 50 pounds. Now, I don't visualize like most people, so I just believed in the healing. So before my surgeon retired, he said, Mm. I'm intrigued by believing versus imaging and how does that work for you in terms of just believing? Well, believing is a first. An image could be just a picture in your mind. But to put the energy behind the beliefs, to bring that to yourself. And lots of times people change 
not for themselves, as much for others. So I like to bring in, so what good is your change going to do anybody else? So believing in that purpose, it sets them aside from over here. You know, if you ever talk to anybody and they, it's like they want to change, but they don't know what to, then I'll say, well, you help other people. So imagine for a minute that you have a new person you're going to help, and you look and it's you. And I've sit, seen people just jump because they saw that, different, they saw themselves in a different way. Yeah. That holographic thinking, big picture, little picture. Excellent word, holographic. What do you mean by that? What I mean is if you know, if you look at an image and you change it a little bit or you move the picture, you see a different image. In our minds, we have two ways of processing through the senses. I call it mental DNA because nobody on earth thinks exactly the same way. And so consequently we have what we call a big picture and it's attached, dissociated, where we see the image just like watching a movie or seeing all those hearing sounds, or we step into it. And when we step into it, we're in a trance, if you want to call it that. We're in it, negative or positive, whatever it is, running its course. Or let's take a lucid dream. If you have a lucid dream, you know that you're aware the dream is going on. Once you're aware the dream is going on, you can change the dream. We do lucid dream trances. It's the same thing. So when I wrote a book on lucid dreams, I actually put in it lucid dream trances and the fact that we can do that in hypnosis, what other people try for years to do to incubate in a lucid dream. Let's talk lucid dreams. What, as a description, what is a lucid dream? Okay, a lucid is clear in a dream, and sometimes just the word lucid scares the daylights out of people. It's the clarity. In other words, if you've ever been dreaming at night and become aware while you're sleeping that you're dreaming, that's what's called a lucid dream. Stephen LeBurge uh, got his doctorate in hypnosis, uh, not hypnosis, in uh, psychology at Stanford, and he proved in the sleep lab he could communicate while he was in the REM state, in the dream state, he could send a figure signal out or something to, and they measured by machines that he was aware of what his, his thinking at the same time he was dreaming. So, lucid dreaming is like, it's real life, in a sense, yes or no? Like your life, do you say? Like real life. In other oh, words. yeah, it's real. It's real to the person. That's where uh, nightmares. Mm. Someone that has, in fact, one of my students as I was researching the book told me the story of that she had nightmares, the same nightmare. And one night, she became aware, she became invisible, followed the bad guys, had them arrested, never had the dream again. Hmm. She changed the dream. Interesting. So, as you turn to the book you wrote on lucid dreams, what was the image now? What was the intent, the message to the public and from the book? Well, probably there's a subliminal message in there because it was really on lucid dreams. Yeah. So I needed to honor the different techniques that are used to what we call incubate a lucid dream. But what I slipped in was lucid dream trance. Okay. Hmm. And the sense of what we do. So in each chapter, the practice is also include Mm -hmm. create a lucid trance of the way you think. So if you're visual, 
feelings, all of those, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and smelling, all those senses come into that image. And then you create and build that image on the way you process, not the way somebody else does. That's a problem with self-help books. Is lots of times they're written the way the person knows how to do it. Mm. Because I'm almost senseless. I don't process in my mind's eye in four and a half of the five senses. Hmm. Only internal feelings. That I have spent my whole life trying to figure out how people think. So it's just natural for me to go, wow, how do you think? So I'm studying your eye movements, your physiology. What are you telling me that you're not actually telling me? Mm. So I want to go to the hypnosis practice. And how did that practice evolve into how you get clients? Well, that's a good question because a lot of my clients come to me from distances. I mean, you're up there in a small population. I am fortunate that I have 15 titles out, books, including the Everything Hypnosis book, uh, a psychic book, and uh, lucid dreaming, and uh, past life books. Mm -hmm. So I've become more known as a more, I, I hesitate to use the words expert, but past lives is one of my specialties. Mm -hmm. So I incorporate that. So people can contact me from all over. You know, when people ask me what I do, I say, I'm on call to the cosmos. So mm -hmm. I don't know what the next time the phone rings or if it's an adventure. Absolutely. If that new adventure starts, then it's it. Now I do a daily podcast, which come to find out we were in the same class what, 13 years ago, Jerry Kine, mm. and I have the feeling in this bush that the land that I live on is so special, it's 160 acres up there, it's got its own voice, its own agenda. Mm. So, and on the mountain up there, I just felt this sense of talking and peace and so forth, so I wanted to share it. Nice. And I had the gift of a beautiful camera a few years ago, Nikon D90, so... I go out and what evolved was every day I'll, I'll go out and photograph nature hmm. of something that's there, flowers this time of year, whatever. And then it speaks to me as I look at the pictures, titles for podcast. It's an adventure. So today's podcast, for instance, is going to be a part of this one. Wait a minute, I'm <laughs> Some wild blueberries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then again, in order to have them up there, it takes that little willingness to go out, pick the blueberries, yes. create that, and have it. So it's the combination of nature and people. Mm -hmm. And so there's always the goal is a little subliminal blurb. And some people, I, and there's a three-line uh, message goes in it. Okay. We write for the podcast, people's site. And so some people just tune in for words. That's some great. Okay. And people listen to it, and they find listening to it that if it's relaxing and positive and good, mm -hmm. and it lasts for a minute, minute and a half. Mm -hmm. And it makes somebody's day different than mine actually did. Right. And I start the morning when I get up because my voice works the best it can work. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It goes downhill from zero. And you've done quite a few podcasts now, right? Wow. That's a lot of hot air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And we're going to catch up with you again later on, but this was a wonderful start with Michael Hunt. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure because I'm with two obvious experts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mike, if anyone wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, Great. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I saw Lisa. Hello. Welcome to, again, another episode of the Hypnotist Podcast. And we have with us uh, my father, Elsa Meldridge, and Mike Hathaway. Hi. Michael Hathaway. What an incredible, interesting person. I, uh, I, up in the mountains. We're in the foothills of the White Mountains, yes, up in the woods. And I think, if I remember correctly, you have some kind of a hypnotism business. Uh, White Mountain Hypnosis Center, yes. How did that begin? Well, it began many years ago when, as a musician in teaching school, I got hired by a stage hypnotist to play ebb tide behind his act. And the closest I ever got to being hypnotized by somebody else, believe it or not, was sitting there talking to him before the show started. And all of a sudden, in this dimly lit room, things started to go in a swirl. And I stopped in my head and said, I got to figure this out. And so we had a psychologist at school. In fact, his name was Donna Silla, which I talk about a lot because Don lived in the same town. His son was in my daughter's class in school while Don Asillo for many years was the announcer for the Boston Red Sox, his son. And he practiced up there in New Hampshire. So in the meantime, I, that's my claim to fame, or it used to be was, well, the father of this Boston Red Sox announcer stopped. Now, of course, he's moved on, so I can't use that excuse anymore. But that's how I got started. Then um, I started practicing. And I started practicing self-hypnosis. I borrowed this, uh, the books from there. And so I would count myself down at school. And I had a kid at school years ago describe me as different shades of anger. Morally mad, very mad, but never happy. And once I was aware of that, I said, wait, do I like that or not? Well, I didn't like it, so I set my intentions that the words that came out of my mouth would be the right words rather than negative. So I practiced day after day after day, and I changed much more than I realized I was changing, but the next generation of kids saw me completely differently than the old ones. Now, the passion is still there. It's just not in the same way. It's rechanneled. Oh, it changed the whole dynamics. Of, well, it changed my life. I mean, to be honest, that's is my approach in hypnosis and, and the sense of looking at positivity, looking at things that I can be grateful for. I had gotten run over in uh, 1989 going to summer school. And so laying in the middle of the street, wondering whether I was going to live or not, I just kind of went into that trance knowing that there was a reason for the accident. And just letting it unfold. And so even in the process of the healing, you know, I was told at one time that my knee was going to go and I had to lose 50 pounds. Now, I don't visualize like most people. So I just believed in the healing. 
So before my surgeon retired, he says, your knee's never going anyplace. So it's just believing in, well, and belief systems are so important in hypnosis. Well, believing is a purpose. An image could be just a picture in your mind. But to put the energy behind the purpose, to bring that through yourself. And lots of times people change, not for themselves, as much for others. So I like to bring in, so what good is your change going to do anybody else? So believing in that purpose, it sets them aside from over here. You know, if you ever talk to anybody and they, it's like they want to change, but they don't know what to, then I'll say, well, you help other people. So imagine for a minute that you have a new person you're going to help, and you look and it's you. And I've seen people just jump because they saw that different, they saw themselves in a different way. That holographic thinking, big picture, little picture. What I mean is, if you know, if you look at an image and you change it a little bit or you move the picture, you see a different image. In our minds, we have two ways of processing through the senses. I call it mental DNA because nobody on earth thinks exactly the same way. And so consequently, we have what we call the big picture of detached, dissociated, where we see the images like watching a movie or seeing all those hearing sounds, or we step into it. And when we step into it, we're in the trance, if you want to call it that. We're in it, negative or positive, whatever it is, it's running its course. Or let's take a lucid dream. If you have a lucid dream, you know that you're aware the dream is going on. Once you're aware the dream is going on, you can change the dream. We do lucid dream trances. It's the same thing. So when I wrote a book on lucid dreams, I actually put in it lucid dream trances in the fact that we can do that in hypnosis, what other people try for years to do to incubate in a lucid dream. Okay, a lucid is clear in a dream, and sometimes just the word lucid scares the daylights out of people. It's the clarity. In other words... If you've ever been dreaming at night and become aware while you're sleeping that you're dreaming, that's what's called a lucid dream. Stephen LeBurge uh, got his doctorate in hypnosis, uh, not hypnosis, in uh, psychology at Stanford, and he proved in the sleep lab that he could communicate while he was in the REM state, in the dream state. He could send a figure signal out or something to, and they measured it by machines, that he was aware of what he was thinking at the same time he was dreaming. So, lucid dreaming is like, it's real life, in a sense. You understand like your life, do you say? Like real life. Oh, yeah, it's real. It's real to the person. That's where uh, nightmares Someone that has, in fact, one of my students, as I was researching the book, told me the story of that she had nightmares, the same nightmare. One night, she became aware, she became invisible, followed the bad guys, had them arrested, never had the dream again. Because she changed the dream. Yeah. What was the image? 
Well, probably there's a subliminal message in that because it was really on lucid dreaming. So I needed to honor the different techniques that are used to what we call incubate a lucid dream. But what I slipped in was lucid dream trance and the sense of what we do. So in each chapter, the practices also include the fact you can lay down you know, quit a self-hypnosis, create a lucid trance of the way you think. So if you're visual, feelings, all of those, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and smelling, all those senses come into that image, and then you create and build that image on the way you process, not the way somebody else does. That's the problem with self-help books, is that lots of times they're written the way the person knows how to do it. Because I'm almost senseless. I don't process in my mind's eye in four and a half of the five senses, only internal feelings, that I have spent my whole life trying to figure out how people think. So it was just natural for me to go, wow, how do you think? So I'm studying your eye movements, your physiology. What are you telling me that you're not actually telling me that I might know? So I want to go to your hypnosis practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question because a lot of my clients come to me from distances. I mean, you're up there in a small population. I am fortunate that I have 15 titles out, books, including the Everything Hypnosis book, uh, a psychic book, and uh, lucid dreaming, and uh, past life books. So I've become more known as a more, I, I hesitate to use the word expert, but past lives is one of my specialties. So I incorporate that so people can contact me from all over you know when people ask me what i do elsom i'm on call for the cosmos so i don't know what the next time the phone rings or whatever it's an adventure and so if that new adventure starts then it's it now i do a daily podcast which come to find out we were in the same class what 13 years ago with jerry kine and I had the feeling and was pushed that the land that I live on is so special. It's 160 acres up there that it's got its own voice, its own agenda. So, and on the mountain up there, I just felt this sense of talk and peace and so forth. So I wanted to share it. And I had the gift of a beautiful camera a few years ago, a Nikon D90. So I go out and what evolved was every day or I'll go out and photograph nature of something that's there, flowers this time of year, whatever. And then it speaks to me as I look at the pictures, a title for a podcast. It's an adventure. So today's podcast, for instance, when we recorded this, was waiting for a muffin. (laughs) Some wild blueberries waiting that would turn blue, ready to be picked. So that's the concept. Here it is in nature, this beautiful sense of the blueberries. But then again, in order to have the muffin, it takes that little willingness to go out, pick the blueberries, create that, and have it. So it's the combination of nature and people. And so there's always the goal is a little subliminal blurb in there. Some people, and there's a three-line message that goes with it that we write for the podcast people's site. And so some people just read the words. Some people just look at the photo. And 
people listen to it and they find listening to it that if it's relaxing and positive and good, and it lasts about a minute, minute and a half, and it makes somebody's day different, then you know that's really good. And I start the morning with that when I get up because my voice works the best it can work. <laughs> In other words, uh, it goes downhill from the rest of the day. So, so you've done quite a few podcasts now, right? 4,300. That's a lot of hot air. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure because I'm with two obvious experts here. <laughs> thank you. Uh, WhiteMountainHypnosisCenter.com, MichaelHathaway.com is a good way to catch up. And I'm always looking forward for emails. And, you know, you do that presence on with Facebook and so forth. And, uh, yes, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Michael? Michael Hathaway, what an incredible, interesting person. I, uh, I, up in the mountains, like White Mountains, is it? We're in the foothills of the White Mountains, yes, up in the mountains. And I think, if I remember correctly, you have some kind of a hypnotism business up there. White yes. How did that begin? Why? Ah. So in the meantime, I, that's my claim to fame. It used to be this. Well, father of this Boston Red Sox announcer stopped now because he's moved on. So can't use that excuse anymore. But that's how I got started then. Um, I started practice. And I started practicing self hypnosis. I borrowed this uh, conventional. And so I would count myself down to school. And I had a kid at school years ago describe me as different shades of anger. Morally mad, very mad, but never happy. Fascinating. And once I was aware of that, and I said, wait, do I like that or not? Well, I didn't like it, so I set my intentions that the words that came out of my mouth would be the right words. Well, the next four passes stay after day after day. And I changed much more than I realized I was changing, but the next generation of kids saw me completely differently and loved me. Now, the passion is still there. It's just not in the same way. It's rekindled. Interesting. And how did that affect the overall teaching as well then? Positivity. 
looking at things that I can be grateful for. I had gotten run over in uh, 1989 during summer school. And so laying in the middle of the street, wondering whether I was going to live or not, I just kind of went into that trance, knowing that there was an easy accident and just wanted to get home safe. And so even in the process of the healing, you know, I was told at one time that my knee was going to buckle and I had to lose 50 pounds. Now, I don't visualize like most people, so I just believed in the healing. So before my surgery, I thought I was sick and easy. Just believing in the belief systems are so important. I'm intrigued by believing versus imaging and like that. Uh, and how does that work for you in terms of just believing? Well, believing is a person. An image could be just a picture in your mind. Yeah. So believing in that purpose, it sets them aside from over here. You don't hear the help anybody, and it's like they want to change, but they don't know what to. Then I say, well, can you help other people? So imagine for a minute if you have a new person you're going to help, and you look and it's you, and I've seen, seen people just jump because they saw that different. They saw themselves in a different way. Right. Like holographic thinking, big picture. Excellent word, holographic. What do you mean by it? What I mean is, if you know, if you look at an image and you change it a little bit or you move the picture, you see a different image. Yeah. In our minds, we have two ways of processing through the senses. I call it mental DNA because nobody on earth thinks exactly the same way. And so, consequently, we have what we call the big picture of detached, dissociated where we see the images like watching a movie or seeing all those hearing sounds. Or we step into it. And when we step into it, we're in trance, if you want. We're in a negative or positive, whatever it is, running its course. Or let's take a lucid dream. Okay. If you have a lucid dream, you know that you're aware the dream is going on. But once you're aware the dream is going on, you can't change the dream. Can't you lucid dream? Let's talk lucid dreams. What, as a description, what is a lucid dream? So, lucid dreaming is like it's real life, in a sense, yes or no? Like real life, in other words. Yeah, it's real. It's real in person. That's where 
Interesting. So, as you per is in terms of the book you wrote on lucid dreaming, what was the image? No. What was the intent? The message to the public, and from the book. Well, probably the subliminal message, you know, because it was really on lucid dreaming. Yeah. So Oh my. And the sense of what we do. So in each chapter, the practices also include how you lay down, walk through the central house, create a lucid dream. Uh, the way you think. So if you're visual, hearing, all of those seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and smelling, all those senses come into that image. And then you create and build that image on the way you process, not the way somebody else does. That's a problem with self help books. Is that lots of times they're written the way the person knows how to do it. Mm -hmm. Because I'm almost senseless. I don't process in my mind's eye in four and a half and five senses, only internal feelings, that I have spent my whole life trying to figure out how people think. So it's a fascinating How do you think? So I'm studying your eye movements, your physiology. How are you telling me that you're not actually telling me that I might not? Wonderful. So. I want to go to your hypnosis practice up in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And how did that practice evolve into how you get clients? Well, that's a good question because a lot of my clients come to me from distances. I mean, you're up there in a small population. I am fortunate that I have 15 titles out, books, including the Everything Hypnosis book, uh, Psychic book, and dreaming and uh, past life book. So I've become more known as a more, I, I hesitate to use the word expert, but past life is one of my specialties. So I incorporate that. So people can contact me from all over. You know, when people ask me what I do, <laughs> I'm not called to talk about it. So I don't know what the next time the phone rings or what it's an adventure. So if that new adventure starts, then it's it. Now I do a daily podcast, which come to find out we were in the same class for 13 years ago. It's very kind. Mm -hmm. And I have the feeling in this book that the land that I live on is so special. It's 160 acres up there that it's got its own voice, its own agenda. Mm -hmm. So, and on the mountain, where I just felt this sense of talking and peace and so forth. So I wanted to share it. And I had the gift of a beautiful camera a few years ago, Nikon D90. So I go out, and what evolved was every day, I'll, I'll go out and photograph nature, something that's there, flowers, this time of year, whatever. And then it speaks to me as I look at the pictures, titles for podcasts. So today's podcast, for instance, one of the titles is Waiting some wild blueberries, <laughs> turn blue, ready to be picked. So that's the concept. Here it is in nature, this beautiful sense of blueberries. But then again, in order to have the mushroom, it takes that little willingness to go out, take 
Amazing. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And we're going to catch up with you again later on, but this was a wonderful start with Michael Hathaway. <laughs> True. Hey, Mike, if anyone wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, White Mountain Hypnosis Center.com, MichaelHathaway.com is a good way to catch up. And I'm always looking forward to emails. And, you know, you do that presence on with Facebook and so forth. And so yes. Awesome. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Terrific. I saw Lisa 